0: A Pulp MX Network Production.
1: Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on
2: racerx.com. With your continued support of
1: our
3: sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us.
1: Original Moto Podcast featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis.
3: Welcome everybody to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. I'm Steve Mathis. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Love to do these one-on-one in-depth podcasts. Last year, 2016, the uh, Grant Langston one, the number one downloaded uh, podcast we had all year on the, on the RacerX uh, Fly one. So uh, we thank you guys for, for making that happen. And uh, Fly Racing, the F2 carbon helmet right out of the box, right onto the track with guys like Pike, Millsaps, Baggett, Kennard. It is Canard. Uh, the F2 carbon is available in 10 graphic styles, 22 colorways at your local authorized fly dealer. Carbon fiber, Kevlar, Coolmax, MIPS. These things got it all. And a uh, great helmet and great company at flyracing.com. They make much more than moto gear as well. Please check them out. Uh, with me on the line, talking about speaking of Grant Langston, another South African that enjoyed a lot of success worldwide racing, a world championship, uh, Nationals won uh, many, many podiums, now working as a trainer for the uh, TLD KTM team, Tyler Rattray. What's up, Tyler? How are you?
2: Hey, yeah, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Yourself? Oh, I'm good. Thanks for
3: doing this, man. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no worries. Always good to chat to you.
3: Oh, thanks, man. Um, I don't know where to start. I guess let's start – let's go with what you're doing now. So you're the team trainer for the TLD KTM team uh, after hanging up the boots uh, um, recently. How did that come about? Did you yeah. always know you were going to do it? Who approached two? Um, You know, how did that come about that you were working with these guys?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was obviously – my last season I was racing in Europe, and, um, you know, I knew – I knew it was gonna be kind of my last year of racing. Um, I've got a pretty a pretty bad my left hip's got no cartilage, so I was I've been in a lot of pain, you know, racing and mm-hmm. trying to get through the last two seasons of my racing career. So I knew it was time, you know, my body had told me that, you know, it's time to time to shut down and I was speaking to, you know, Tyler Keith and, you know, he was saying that he was looking for, you know, a trainer to to help his guys, and you know, I would be, you know, a good good foot to help his guys out as I raced down in America, and mm-hmm. you know, won nationals and been in great shape, and yeah, then the board just started getting rolling, and we went went on from there.
3: Are you working with the guys on bike technique as well, bike? Uh, you know, like kind of everything, or is it? Are you stick more to just uh, the training?
2: Yeah, but basically more to the training. Mm-hmm. When we are at the track, we'll try work on stuff you know depending how the race went the week before, or you know boarding up to the race, what kind of track we have, but you know these when you're racing at the level, what these guys are at now they they you don't need to tell them how to hit a corner or yeah, how to take right. the jump, jump; they already know how to do it you know where where that's when fitness comes into play, and you work on you work on their fitness and getting you know their their vo 2 volume up and you know getting them better endurance working on intensity so you know still working on the bike stuff but more mm-hmm. the riding program and laps on the bark more than technique
1: mm-hmm.
2: um you know the guys that i am working with are 21 you know alex Michael is 27 mm-hmm. so you know it's it's also with me being a former racer it's hard to to basically change your style or change anything when yep when you hit your 20s 21 22 years growing up when you're five six years old you can learn the riding coach at that age is critical but you know once you once you go racing and you're basically in race mode it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to change you know your technique on the bike because you've already formed that from your younger days
3: true yeah do you work with all the guys on the team or is it is it is it more of a case of uh if the guys want you they can uh, they can use you
2: Yes, that's uh, that's how my deal is. Uh, obviously, I work with the three TLD guys, and obviously Jordan Smith is is still down at MTF. Um He hasn't obviously been out. He's been out here in Kelly testing and you mm-hmm. know getting getting ready for the East Coast because they start and uh, you know they start they start fairly soon. So yeah. you know it's the the three TLD guys basically, and then obviously Jordan is is down at MTF.
3: That's actually funny you say that because I was going to specifically ask you about Jordan Smith, but I wasn't sure if he had, uh, if he had elected in or or whatever. Um, Let's talk about McElrath because uh, myself included, all of us experts, quote unquote, uh, we talked about um, uh, the guys on the West Coast. We talked about Justin Hill and we talked about Plessinger and, you know, Jeremy Martin. Is this the year he finally breaks through? And honestly, Tyler, I don't know. I mean, we would go like, hey, what about McElrath? Yeah, he's good. Like, he'll be all right. And and we really missed the boat on this kid. Uh, he's always been a really nice guy, hard worker, uh, puts in his work. But I'm surprised at how good he's been. Uh, I guess you're not, though. You kind of saw this building up?
2: Yeah, definitely. He had a, you know, obviously with his crash at Southwick um, and breaking whatever, I think it was six or seven ribs. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and also he had a concussion. So he needed to take some time off and – Obviously, he got back riding into Supercross because he wanted to race the Monster Cup. So, you know, with his off-season, it was... Uh, I really had to watch him very carefully because he had been riding a lot and had been doing a lot, getting ready for Monster Cup, whereas the other guys, you know, took time off after Nationals and, in, and he started riding in the middle of October, whereas he was basically going the whole the whole way through the off-season. So, you know, there was the, there was a part where it was a little tough, you know, just... Just mentally on him because he had been going for so long and it was time, you know, it was time for him to basically go racing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I had to try, you know, hold him back a bit so he's not basically burnt out. And in two weeks before Anaheim won, he was, he was ready to go racing. Oh, no, was and he? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the results showed at Anaheim he was, you know, and he's also a, he's a great kid to work with. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's, he's not not afraid of putting in hard work, and you know the results talk for themselves. He's you know he's this is the first time he's ever been leading leading a race, leading a championship. You know, fighting fighting to win a win a championship, and we saw like you know a little mistake in Phoenix with some lap riders. He was a little cautious, didn't know where they were going because he's never been in that position before. All right, all right. So it's it's totally normal that he didn't. that that Hill did get him because, like I said, he's never been in that position before in in the Supercross main event, leading the championship, leading the race, coming up to lap riders, and, you know, there's four dudes in the battle of lap riders, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he kind of lost a lot of time, and then that's when Hill could get on him, and then, you know, Hill smelled blood and and went for the kill. So it's, you know, he's... He definitely made a made a big improvement and a big step forward. Um, like I said, he's, he's a kid that's 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 not scared to put in the work and does whatever I say and it's it's actually all my guys are pretty much the same. They all they all wanna put the work in, they all wanna get the results mm-hmm. and it's definitely good to see them, you know, working hard and putting in the work and the results also talk. Right. Did you, are
3: you, are you contracted to just the TLD KTM guys or can other guys, uh, uh, use you if you, uh, if you had time or you wanted to?
2: No, for 250, I'm just contracted to do the TLD 250 guys uh-huh. and then 450, I do also Davy, Millsaps, and then, oh, not Dino out. Okay. So it was it was cool, you know, for me to see because obviously Dean was full privateer, you know, yeah, wasn't yeah. really making any salary, and you know obviously it's a big it's a big opportunity him getting this husky ride and you know showing what he can do. So you know I still hope uh, Dean and Davy, um, you know, and you know Davy's also obviously with him going to Canada, I helped him, you know, win yeah. win that championship up in Canada and. You know, he, he had to get some surgery on his wrist, so he missed a little bit of the off season, but you mm-hmm. know he's coming around now and it's uh, it'll it'll start getting better each weekend
3: um as far as your philosophies as a trainer uh you worked with Alden Baker for a while. I imagine over the years, whether it's in Europe or whatever, you worked with a few different guys. How much do you put your own twist on your own program like how much obviously there's probably stuff with um you know maybe with Alden where you're like, "Ah I don't you know I don't think that's the way I want to go with my program what what do you you take a little bit from all the different trainers that you worked with?
2: yeah, I worked with uh you know there there were two great trainers that I worked with, one was Alden mm-hmm. and then the other trainer was my trainer from South Africa Russell Watts. he was the guy that I won my world championship with in Europe, and those are basically the only two trainers I really had. I did have a guy in Belgium but uh-huh. You know, it was basically a program, a program ready for, there were like 20, 20 guys that were that were training with him, but we basically all had the same program. Um, but I, I preferred the the route that I went with my first trainer in South Africa, Russell, uh, where he was just basically one-on-one with me, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he would come over. He, he also had a, had a family in South Africa, so, you know, he couldn't come over to Europe the whole time, but... I was okay just, you know, training by myself and doing it by myself. I've always had that drive in me to train mm-hmm. and work hard and, you know, get the results. So he would always send a plan and obviously now with heart rates and everything, everything's so easy to just update and sure. he's got all the files on the computer. So, you know, he was, he was, when, when, you know, when I was racing in Europe, he did triathlon in South Africa and he would win and, you know, his sons are an elite athletes in, in like the cycling world. So, you know, and then obviously I came over here to America and I wanted someone more full time. Obviously, mm-hmm. when I first came over here, Alden was with Stuart for two years. So okay. I, I really wanted to try to get to work with Alden. Yeah. Um, did but you know? He was did taken you, by James. Did you know Alden in South
3: Africa at all or anything like that? Uh,
2: no, but I, I knew Alden like okay. obviously when he came over and trained Ricky, but I didn't know him before that. Okay. Um, and then. Obviously, when I came over and then, as soon as alden and and James part away, and mm-hmm. I knew that was my chance and opportunity to get with him and sure. and train with him and you know that's obviously also when Arby also jumped on, and you know that's you know when was the last time that Alden lost the <laughs> four fifty super guys championship, you know, and I was yeah. <laughs> he's he just clicked them off well, yeah. which is impressive, you know Alden puts a lot of hard work and really focuses on his on his athletes, and he only has like a handful of guys, and that's kind of the same. The same philosophy I'm taking into my guys. I just want to have a handful of guys, you know, right. five guys maximum, and put everything I have into them because you can have a bunch of amateur kids and, you know, but then mm-hmm. you're just taking time away from your pro guys and they're paying for, you know, they're paying for your time and effort and yeah. to help them out and try to get them to win. So, you know, that's kind of the philosophy I've taken into my training. I don't want to have too many guys mm-hmm. because then – you know like I said, you take away time from your main guys, and if there's a problem that you've got you know you've got a bunch of guards that you're trying to you know look off yep. the two
3: sure um so you take a little bit of both guys a little bit of both trainers the, the the two best ones you've worked with and and kind of make your own program and obviously a lot of it i guess comes from talking to your athletes and how are you feeling what do you want to do what's you know that kind of stuff right
2: yeah yeah for sure I mean I've been in the I've been in a position that they've been in when they come over and say they've got armed yep. and they could they couldn't even hold on the handle I've been in that position I've mm-hmm. been racing for the win and got passed because I got pumped up or I tipped over in a turn and mm-hmm. you know picking it up and trying to get going again it is it is tough like that's the best thing is when they explain to me yeah. I know exactly how they feel <laughs> but yeah. like for me I've never done a 450 supercross season mm-hmm. I've only done a 250 supercross season so it's you know, a 450 guy does require a lot more time and work and obviously structure because their season does go for so long. But that's why I said if I have only a handful of guys and, you know, majority of them are mm-hmm. large riders, if I've got two 450 guys, then I can really focus and focus my time on them and make sure week in and week out all the numbers and everything is adding up good and the training loads and all that are all right. Mm mm-hmm because obviously a 250 guy can't be on the same training program as a 450 guy. It's, it's not possible a 450 guy goes a lot longer over the season than a 250 guy. Yep. So, you know, also the, their motors are five minutes longer than a 250 rider. So, it's you know, you really have to monitor uh, a 450 guy, you know, very mm-hmm. closely because, you know, you want to try to get the most out of them, but you also don't want to, you know, undertrain him and overtrain him you want him to yeah. get the exact right amount for him come saturday evening he's fit and strong and ready to go
3: did you ever feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of you know People in the media or other rider, ex-riders or riders, a lot of people will say Alden does too much work on the bicycle. Alden uh, starves his guys is the joke, you know. Uh, you know, Kenny, Kenny yeah. Rockson's definitely been outspoken about it. Uh, Adam Cincerello and, and Alden parted. Um, um, there's lots of things out there. Did you ever feel like it was too much bicycling or, or you didn't get enough calories in you? Or, or is, that, uh, is, all, is that all kind of stuff just, you know, part of the, part of the deal of, of riders separating from trainers?
2: Yeah, I mean it's you know you, at the end of the day there's there's no shortcuts in the sport. No right. matter what you do, you need to put the work in if you want to win races. If mm-hmm. you if you're not putting the work in, you're not going to win. And you know it's it's hard to bet against Alden. He's he's won how many 450 Supercar Championships? Mm-hmm. You know he's he's won with Carmichael, he's won with Stewart, he's won with Filippoto, and now Dungey. And you know mm-hmm. the, the next guy that he gets, they, they're going to be good. Just you know, obviously, with his place now in Florida and his facility, like, dude, it's dude, the the place down there is amazing. Yeah. How is an athlete going to go there and not get better with the tools that he has to supply? It's, right. You know, it's when I when I trained with him. Yes, it was hard. It's, it's hard work. You know, it's not easy getting <laughs> up in the morning and going and going cycling and then going out to the track and putting in the work. But come Saturday, when I won nationals and, and the blistering heat, mm-hmm. you know, it was it definitely made it that suffering and all that during the week. But, but like I said, Alden was very good at monitoring it and making right. sure, you know, we did have the right training load. And like I said, that's something that I've, uh, I've learned from Alden. I don't want to have too many guys, you know, on my yeah. plate because, you know, well, I also have a family. I've got three kids, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I want to spend, you know, some time with them too and, you know, not take away my family time too, which sure. is for me very important at the moment. Um, you know, but like I said, it's uh, it's hard to bet against uh, against Alden's program. What, yeah. he, what he does, I believe, is he has a good solid structure, especially with the guys riding riding with each other, you know, week in, week out. It's mm-hmm. basically like a race day every day, and they're pushing each other. So it's, you know, everyone can say this and that, but yeah. what's on black and white is, dude, he's won a lot of championships. <laughs> so it's, You're right it's about hard that. to question that. So um, it's. You know, there's people that disagree of, you know, how he's, you know, he over-trains people, you don't eat, or this and that. But, you know, right. at the end of the day, Alvin also not a babysitter. You mm-hmm. know, he's a trainer, and he's, he's he's giving you the best possible program for you to go and win.
3: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, do you ride much, or is your hip bugging you? Like, how much do you get out and ride?
2: No, I haven't ridden, man, in the last year. I haven't ridden for the audience. What? Dude. You- Honestly, I could probably do. I tried to go fast, and I was probably pretty slow. And <laughs> I only did like maybe four laps, and dude, my heart rate was so high. Uh, you you so can't, you can't believe I that mean, dude, you. you... <laughs> I can't believe how unfit I've got. It's like park fit, right? So, right, dude, It's it's pretty crazy. Like you're how like quick, you can lose it, but you're thinking to yourself, you know, my I want
3: guys. You're, you're thinking to yourself, I want a world championship. Really?
2: <laughs> I know hey, it's it's crazy. You lose it quick too, and. Yeah. Like, Obviously, you now I'm 32 now. My hip, my hip bothers me when I ride. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm not going to go to the track and take any risk or try set lap records. Right. You know, I've, I've done lap records in my life when I was racing, so <laughs> right. I don't need to to prove anything. Yeah. So, you know, I'll get a, I'll get a bike, and my youngest son wants to. I mean, my my middle son wants to. He wants to go and, you know, get a motorbike, and he wants to start riding, but he's only three, so mm-hmm. I'm going to wait off until he's about four, and then and then maybe get him a little peewee and, you know, yeah. and back to the roots.
3: Uh, yeah, I'll, Nick, you, I'll see, you, you and NYK will be out of the local tracks, because he's, he's oh, yeah, all in. Um, he'll be, we'll be a yeah. hardcore dad. I know. Um, and I was just up in Washington visiting our buddy, uh, Poto for, for a Racer X story, and, and hung out with him for the day. and he's he's very content with hanging it up like no desire he raced in australia but i mean to me i think that was more just like a money than anything else not a desire to get back into it and and what and so what about you are you you content with everything you did like no problems hanging up like no desires to oh i should have raced
2: another year or anything like that no no not at all no your hip was like i said yeah. yeah my hip was bothering me and you know i was it was pretty tough in Europe. Like I made one one last push. You know that last year with Ivy when he wanted to come over, mm-hmm. and I decided okay, I'll give it one last go. And you know, because I was, you know, even when I was riding on that Husky team and the year was coming to an end, yep. like, I was I was I was it was a question mark. And then you know, when Ivy said I oh, he, he might come over and race this season in Europe, then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, one more. You know, I th- <laughs> maybe it'll be cool to do one year, one more year and yep. you know train with him and. And really, you know, push for one more year. And then, you know, obviously, I got... Avi got hurt and, at the fourth round. And then, man, just mentally for me, just going out and doing the motors by myself and being yeah. in Europe and just doing all the training by myself, it right. was... I knew right away. This, you know, <laughs> You're like, yeah, this, this is, this is you it. Know, but it was, it was tough, too, because we still had 13 Grand Prix to go, you know. And right. obviously, you know, I'm coming to the end of my career. I don't want to get hurt, but, mm-hmm. you know, still had the motivation still try to find the motivation to push and you know put the work in and yeah it was right. just mentally it was it was tough because i knew you know the mm-hmm. tunnel was the light of the life was at the end of the tunnel and you know i also wanted to be safe. i didn't want to get hurt and you yeah. know all this stuff runs through your mind and you know like i said I, I don't regret you know retiring i had a great career i won a world championship and you know won you know 21 professional races and had like seventy podiums, yeah. so yeah. you know I had a great career. You know, I met a lot of great people. Yeah, in the US when I came over here and raced, you know, got to experience supercross, which you know not many riders do. Managed get on the podium a couple of times, you know. So, heck, you were the you were three, the points leader. You were the points leader on the 250 yeah, West one year, one for a couple of races. Yeah. yeah? Yeah, so, you know, like I said, I, I came over here when I was late and I wasn't ready to make that step to the, to the 450 supercross class. It was, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff they were jumping and going, you know, jumping quads. And, you know, it was, for me, I'd kind of missed the learning part of supercross. I only came here when I was 23. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the next step after light supercross is 450 supercross. And that's why, I, honestly, I went back to Europe because I wasn't prepared to put myself. Up because I knew, dude, the guy, these guys that race Supercross had been doing it since yeah. I was, you know, six years old. Right. And I've, I only started when I was 23. So, you know, I was happy with what I accomplished in Supercross and, you know, getting on the podium and, you know, leading the championship, even if it was for one round. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, you know, it was still something special. I've always wanted to come here and try it out. But the the step for 450 Supercross, I mean, 450 is a whole other level compared to 250s. Yep. You know, and, you know, I wasn't willing to, to take that step and step up and race a 450 in Supercross. It was, you know, because I had the mentality at that time, too, I wanted to try to be on the podium and win races. Yeah. And, you know, you've got these guys in the 450 class, a bunch of life championships champions step up, and they're all thrown into this b-boy class. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I didn't want to get hurt. And, you know, obviously I had that big right. crash in Oakland where I knocked myself out and broke mm-hmm. my neck. and yep. And I was like, Phew, man, I, I'm, I don't think I'm ready to go 450. And yeah. you know, would have I liked to come here early in my career? Absolutely, I think I would have, you know, maybe learned learned it a lot quicker. At Supercross, um, but I really wanted to win a world championship in Europe too, because I'd been there for so many years and really wanted to accomplish that goal. So it was, you know, it was yeah, there was, was a bummer I came out late, but you know, I'm also pumped that I've won a world championship in Europe.
3: Yeah, you you finished second to Townley uh, in the GPs, and I remember, like, I don't know if it was Peyton, I don't know, somebody was like, hey, Rattray's coming next year, like he's gonna, he's the favorite to win the title, and he's coming over, he's gonna run, he wants to race in America, well, shit went sideways for you, you got hurt, like, two years in a row, uh, and then finally, finally in 08, you won it, and then you came over to Europe, you know, basically, uh, you know, Mitch had been eyeing you for a long time, and had you won that title when you were kind of you know one of the favorites? You, yeah, you missed about three years there where you should have came over to America
2: sooner, I guess, right? Yeah, in '04 I won. Uh, Tanya won the championship and I got second. Then mm-hmm. in '05 Tony was stepping up to to the MX1 and I was I was basically going onto the the 250F because I was on the 125. Right. so So I, I was going up on the 250F. Everything went good. I went out and won the first Grand Prix, both motos. Second Grand Prix, I think it was down in Portugal. I think I got second. I think Mm -hmm. Caroli won. Then the third round, I blew my knee out. I did my ACLs. I had to get surgery, get that fixed. And then I came back and I did rehab, did cycling, got back into riding, and then Mm -hmm. I could make the last three Grand Prix. And I came back at the end of 2005 for the last three Grand Prix, and I won all three. So, you know, 2005 was going to be a great year. It started off good. Yeah. And then obviously I blew my knee out, but it also ended off good too. I came mm-hmm. out and won. Yeah, you were you know, like, "Hey, I the still." The same as in two thousand and six. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was. I won the most Grand Prix in two thousand and six. I won four. You know, and I think that's the year when uh, when Purcell won. I think. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, when I think so. Christoph yeah. won, but you know him and Caroli only had won three Grand Prix. I had won four, and Fullaparts had also won four. So you know, me and Fullaparts had the most GP wins, but you know my bad races were too bad. Yeah. They went they were where their bad races were a podium. Right. You know? So, you know, I, I always had the speed when I was racing but just you know, I could never put it together and then two thousand and eight that's when I finally said, Oh no, you know, I need to do this, <laughs> this I, has I need happen. to go right. because that KTM also wanted me to step up and race the, the four fifty in two thousand eight. And I said, No, I really want to win the championship in M X two like I feel like I've got unfinished business here and you know, Pitt and everyone were, were for it and you know, that's when I you know, hired my trainer Africa, Russell and you know, we put in a big off season and then came into the season strong in two thousand and eight and you know I think I lost the red plate once to to Tommy and then I never lost it again and me and Caroli had some you know, some great battles mm-hmm. and it was you know, it was definitely a year that, you know, I'll never ever forget. Um now where did
3: I like? I think I was talking to Mitch Payton, and he was like keeping an eye on you. Had you or you or someone reached out to Payton around oh five, oh six, and said, I, "Will you hire me?" And then he, you know, if I win this title, type deal. Because I remember hearing that you were coming. You were still a few years in Europe, and you were still going to ride for Mitch. Or was that
2: just rumors? Or was there actually did you no, talk to Mitch? Yeah, Mitch. Yeah, Mitch said to me. Mitch said, "Hey, when when you win a world championship." For me, I've got a spot on my team. Okay, all right. So then I was like, oh, dang, I've got to win to get on this guy's team. And, then, <laughs> dude, I was, I was trying everything. And this was already back in 2005,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and then obviously I won the championship in, in 2008. And then, you know, obviously came over yeah, here to America and wrote for Mitch. Obviously Mitch at the time was, you know, dominating everything over here. And, you know, he still mm-hmm. was when I wasn't on, on his team, he was, you know, the box were were the best box out there and everyone yeah. everyone wanted to be on them. So, yeah. you know, as soon as I won then, you know, Mitch Okay, you know, so, so Mitch wasn't gonna Mitch, take you well, until Mitch, you won. That was it. No, that's <laughs> yeah, that that, that was a statement that he made. Okay. So, you know, I really wanted to win yeah you know, and then come over here and, and race in the US and you know, it was it was great to come with You can see a of good people here, yeah, and just just to get the experience of racing supercross. You know, there's guys in Europe that will never get that experience no. of what it's like to roll out in front of 45,000 people to go racing. and yeah. You know, especially the crowd when you're racing for the lead. I remember in Anaheim when I was racing and leading, and then Silly came up and passed me. I had like four laps to go, and mm-hmm. Silly got me with like four to go, and I was like, oh man, all I wanted to <laughs> do was just have that first place trophy. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's like I was bummed because I really wanted to, you know, get a supercross. Get a supercross win, but, win. Yeah. You know, at the same time, it was, you know, I also needed to be realistic. I was, you know, pretty old when I came over. here at twenty-three. I'd never ridden really supercross in my right. life before. Well, that's what I was saying. You like know, those so three, year,
3: those three years of injury. Who knows where your supercross skills would be. If you had those three years back, you know what I mean? Like say you just won yeah. that say you just won that O six title and came right over. Or not O six, uh O four, uh or 05 title. 05, you would yeah, yeah, you would have came right over, yeah. you know.
2: So um Yeah, that's four years. I would have been any nineteen. Right. Yeah, right. Could I have learned a lot more, possibly, but mm-hmm. you know, you you never you can say this, that, yeah, but, yeah. You know, right. <laughs> no one no one's gonna know.
3: Right. You know. So it's Um do you remember when you came to Millville? What year was that? And didn't your bike break? What happened when
2: you came to Millville for that race? Yeah, yeah, my bike broke um, through the sand rollers through, through that second set, and I dislocated my shoulder. Oh, okay, um, Damn it was it, Yeah, second lap in practice, and you know, yeah, that was a... We obviously came over with with our Europe, our Europe, you know, engineer came over, and mm-hmm. obviously, you know, there's there's different different compressions. You know, fuel, yep, yep. like everything's everything's different now. So you can't really mix mix a Europe setting to a US setting, and that's kind of what they did, and the thing just locked up on on the. It was actually like the first app of the second practice. Oh, I remember and it then, was exciting you know, to see was, you
3: there. Like we were stoked
2: to see you there and see how you would do. You know? Yeah, I was I was bummed because that track is unreal. Right. You know? So yeah, I was kind of bummed, but you know, there's. There's, I think that's what I think is, you know, when a guy does come over here from Europe, you come over here and you run, you mm-hmm. run the full U.S. setting. These guys are good at what they do. Yeah. The engine technician, suspension, you know, just everyone here is good at what they do here in the U.S. And same as in Europe. When you go over to Europe, you you try to get a Europe setting from them and you stick with that because they know those tracks. The tracks are way different, you know. Even mm-hmm. though it's a motorcycle, it's like – just the the spring rates and the forks are you know way stiffer over here than in right. Europe just because of the tracks. Right. So it's it's hard to you know and you know that, that's exactly what I try to explain to Ivy when he, when he was coming over is like <laughs> right. Do you need to have like a really open mind because it is it is way different. Like we went to track and he was like how old is this track like. <laughs> 2000 BC, yeah. I? Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah it, trying to explain that to him, right? I mean you're just like, oh god. Yeah, god. So. He yeah, we'll get we'll get we'll cover that. I got some R V questions for sure. Um so okay, so you win the title in O eight. We all thought you were coming over, and it was like a late release from KTM or something. Were they trying to keep you there or did you have a deal you had to get out of to come to America? I remember it was like Wait, Rattray's coming over. Oh wait, no, he's not. No, yes, he, no, he's not. And all of a sudden, it was like kind of late in the deal. If I remember right, do I do
2: I have that right? Yeah, it was my deal with Mitch was obviously done like pretty late. Um, I really wanted to you know, give America a shot, and obviously, it was my deal with Mitch was done late. He didn't really have you know. Were they, were they pissed? And his, oh. guy, his guys were already signed, and you know, yeah. obviously obviously gave KTM the option for me to come over here and race here, but obviously they had signed Tommy, so they didn't really have budget to, to do anything here because mm-hmm. they had already signed, I think, Tommy had like maybe a three-year deal of racing in Europe one year and then two here or mm-hmm. I don't, it was something like that. And obviously KTM didn't have any space for me here in the U.S. So then, you know, I went and... Mitch, I phone Mitch and approached Mitch, and that's how I got on. You know, on Okay, So KTM was trying so to keep was, you.
3: KTM was like, "Hey, you can ride in America, but we'll find a home." This is MDK yeah, days too, a little bit, right? MDK. It wasn't really yeah, a.
2: It was. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think the like now the relationship with with Austria and the US is everyone at KTM now. It's it's like a big global brand, which is good if there's information out that people find out. You know, like. On the bark, or coming with a new idea, all the information shared, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's it wasn't like that back then. Yeah, I think I think was Kurt running it back then. No, I think I he was. Really out. I, think he, I think he was out by then. I don't. I, don't, I can't really remember who was running it, yet, but I, I don't think yeah. it is like it is now. Right, You know, right. Where, you know obviously with Pit being in charge and mm-hmm. he oversees the whole mo- motorsport division. It. I don't think it was like that back then.
3: Were you good, like, okay, so South Africa, growing up in South Africa, you did really well in America at Southwick all the time, Um, and it's not even really a really true sand track, and I don't have your GP results in front of me. Did you kill it at Lomol and Vulcan Swat and all that? Have you always been this really good sand rider, or was it just Southwick, something about Southwick that you enjoyed?
2: No, no, I've always, obviously with me living in Belgium, dude, that's all we had there, yeah. is sand track, so obviously with me basing myself there when I was over at racing in Europe it was definitely a, you know a great way to learn sand I mean I, went, I remember going to my first Dutch national and actually Grant was racing too it was in 2000 and man we're racing this Dutch championship and we did track walk early in the morning and this track was flat dude it was- Yeah. It was like Southlake, just perfectly found. I'm like, dude, this track is so sick. <laughs> and then, dude, come first race, these holes before the jumps were right. unbelievable. <laughs> I remember going, and, dude, I'd, I was coming from South Africa. We rode a hard-packed, dusty track. Okay, not even any water there for the tracks. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't really have any sand tracks there. And, dude, I'd come to the jump and feel like a total goon. Sit down on the seat, take both my feet off, <laughs> and basically... <laughs> balance walk up this rut and dude I think I got left twice at my first Dutch national. That that and I, and I don't think I crashed. How knowledge yeah. that. Yeah Langston Langston said the year, same thing, yeah. Yeah my second year I managed to win a Dutch championship. So I made a big jump in one year. Yeah. You know, just living in Belgium just... and, and riding those sand tracks. But like I said, those the, that's basically the same thing like what I can say back to Supercross is dude, you need to ride this stuff when you're young,
3: Yeah, you
1: know, yeah.
2: to, to learn it quick and, and be comfortable on it where it, it just does come naturally and easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, you know, Europe was, uh, I won't remember that day. It was, it was so cold too. <laughs> and I was like, what am I doing there?
3: Um, you obviously Langston, uh, was a little bit before you. How much younger are you than Grant?
2: Uh,
3: I think three years.
2: Okay, three years younger than him. So
3: well, by the time you got good in in essay, he was gone
2: already, or yeah, he was he was always one he was always one you know one class above me. If I was on eighties, he was on one twenty fives. You know, was, yeah, yeah, When I was on sixties, he was on eighties. So he was he was always. I mean, he's three years older than me. Quite a bit ahead of me, right? But, you know, he Albertine basically passed away for South Africa. Right, obviously going over to Europe and then. You know, with Grant going over and, and winning a championship, it's, it definitely you know helped the South Africans get over there. and yeah. Teams were interested, and in, you know then I went over and won. And you know I don't really see anyone else coming up now. That, yeah. From what I've heard or seen, you know, from South Africa, but you know you never know with these, these younger kids coming up these days. You know they they learn so quick, and the bikes are getting better as suspension, uh-huh. engine. You know everything's just getting better and better. Right. So it's. So no, no, no. I, I don't really know when the next next top South African is going to come out, but you know uh, Alby definitely passed away for us.
3: Before. Right. So Albi was a guy as a kid. Like you looked up to Albie. It was like you 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 were like the like if he can do it, I can do it type deal.
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah, Albie yeah. was the man. Yeah, he was yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, He was the man in South Africa. I mean, he went over to Europe, won World Championships, and. Yep. You know, he came and actually raced a race in South Africa at Sun City, a supercross race and I remember going 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 down to that race and he said over the mark that he wants to wish me a happy birthday and he was like, I want to wish Tyler a happy birthday and I'm like, Mommy, mommy, was that me? <laughs> and she was like, Yes, that's you and they got it set up somehow but man, I was <laughs> dude, I was so pumped. And, yeah. You know, he, like I said, he's I was always a fan of L, you know, growing up racing and watching him race. It was Especially because he was from South Africa, you know, and he was he was winning on you know the world's highest level of racing. Right. So it was you know it was cool for for him to pass the way for us, and obviously then G L went and did it, and yeah. you know then I went after him. So it was you know I think it was definitely uh, you know.
3: Yeah, if you if you look at Al, look Alby won a two fifty main event, so you can't take that away from him. He won the opener in the Coliseum, but if you look at Alby yourself and G L. Yeah, Supercross wasn't easy for either any of you three guys, you know, just, I mean, GL won a couple of titles uh, in the 250 class, and, and that's good, don't get me wrong, but, you know, he was, yeah. he was on a great team, and he was, you know, pretty experienced at that point, um, it just never came easy to any of you guys, Supercross, uh, over the years, so, interesting that, you know, just something about growing up in South Africa, and. And that's it.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it was. The thing is, in South Africa, we don't really have supercross tracks. Yes, we have outdoor tracks with jumps, but it's not. You know, it's not like a full-blown supercross yeah. track like what you have here in the US. You know, and just, just I know G L man. That guy when he was racing, that guy's head was so strong. and Nothing yeah. could destroy him. Yeah. He was. Yep. You know, he had the he had the head, and dude, that's what you need in the sport is, you know, you need to have that mental side that's you know super tough and. You know, GL GL had that. It, yeah. You know, that's what bought him those championships. He was just so strong mentally. You know, he, he was. that was good, even for <laughs> for younger kids coming up. It, mm-hmm. You know, he was he was one of the guys like in the sport that really had the head. And uh. you know, that's what it takes to win win championships. And you know, GL did. He won a world championship. He won what I think it was two national championships, two two, two championships, last championships. Yep, two, two supercross lights, yeah. Two large championships, and then a 450. 450 dude, he's won almost everything. Yep. Yeah. You know, the only no, thing we sure. didn't win was a, was a 450 Supercross championship. Other uh-huh. than that, you know, he's won he's yep. won world championships. He's done. You know, there's uh- I, I don't know another rider that's
3: done that. Or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to, uh, help you, uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something, something, uh, on your bike needs attention for Race Tech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using, uh, Race Tech Privateer Proven. They work with, uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And, uh, they offer a full line of Race Tech high performance springs. These springs are called high performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to Pulp MX 2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com, and they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right. Back to the show. Michelin tires are back people, MichelinMotorcycle.com, Michelin StarCross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? This is this a fancy marketing term or what?
0: No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version of the MH3, it it gives more so when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps it has some give to it and it's more comfort so it doesn't feel so rigid a lot of that has to do with the the cct
3: so telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires
0: yeah obviously it's flexing a little bit but also too when you come into corners you don't want it to roll on you so they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites but yet straight line you have comfort
3: hey as a former factory mechanic Kiefer I know all about mounting tires um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new stuff uh, pretty easy, actually.
0: Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best. So mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage. And normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this... Uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage. So uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on.
3: Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, Key for reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. StarCross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out at the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. I was on his team in '01 KTM, and I always tell this story. We got to Millville, and he said, uh, "Yeah, I'm gonna win Millville." This was the Langston, you know, Pastr- or Langston Brown Pastrana battle and all that. And we said, "But yeah, whoa, whoa! Like, what do you mean you're gonna win?" I right, watched it on tape. He's like, "It's my kind of track. I'm gonna win." And then we 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 walked the track on Saturday, and he was like, "Yep, yeah, I'm winning tomorrow." And then, <laughs> God goddamn, he didn't go one one the next day. <laughs>
2: He just smoked everybody. Yeah. I know. Like, like... <laughs> like I said, if, if G.L. is the kind of guy, if he puts his head to it and, you know, yeah. he says he's winning, uh, he's, he's a tough guy to bet against, you know, yeah. especially when we're in Europe racing and watching him, you know, sand yeah. races and, you know, he would say the same thing tomorrow I'll win and he would go out and go 1-1. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he was you know, he was a warrior, man. That's what I call him the Zulu Warrior.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, your two thousand and ten uh outdoor. Uh Kennard and you and and Christoph and Dean Wilson, uh three guys on one yeah. team, and, and Kennard ended up winning it, but dude, now that was an outdoor series. You guys were going at it. And uh did it get weird in the truck with Dino and, and Christoph, or how, how'd that how'd that go with all three of you uh, chasing it?
2: No, I mean the thing with Mitch, you know, we, we all respect each other and the best man will win on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously with Christoph being from from Europe, I kind of knew him already. Um, and obviously, you know, he was the the new kid on the block. He was, you know, nothing really worried him, and mm-hmm. even still today, is, he's still the same. Nothing's really changed. Um, you know, it was uh, it was actually good. It, it kept the team fine. We. we we were all pumped for each other. If someone won, we'd be happy for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like we wouldn't talk to anyone, or you know, there'd be any tension. There's, you know, Christoph. Christoph doesn't really say much anyway. Yeah. You know, and with you know with Dino being so young, like he was as happy and outgoing. And, <laughs> right. You know, the the vibe, the vibe was actually cool. It was, you know, there was a, a, actually no tension at all. Um, you oh, know, that's good. Yeah in, yeah. in that year, and then you know, obviously. Christoph got hurt at that last round, yep, you know I think he pretty much had it in the bag then he, he had like yeah yeah he deep.
3: yeah, he pretty much had to just do all decently in both motos and he would have won it, yep,
2: yeah, and unfortunately, I think he crashed and broke his collarbone, and mm-hmm. you know that was that was at the last round, so you know it was kind of a bummer, you know, especially for everyone on the team, you know, just Mitch and everyone at p c they all they all worked so hard to to win championships and you know, it's that's how the sport is, man. Right. Like, look at look at us last We were, you know, struggling to try to keep our guys healthy. Yeah, it you know, was yeah. injury after injury, and you know, that's how the sport is. You know, it's you can be on top one weekend, and then two days later, your guy could be hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah, it's it's a sport. It's just and you it's, know, it's, it's brutal. No, you're right about you know, that. You got to take it day by day, and you know, don't take anything for granted, and you know. Just keep putting the work yeah. in and and believing and yeah. you know just keeping the focus.
3: Hey, did you have to fight Mitch pretty hard to go four hundred and fifty outdoors, or or was that something that Cowie was cool with and Mitch was cool with, or did you basically be like, hey, dude, I got I, I It's time for me to move up to outdoors.
2: How was that? Yeah, I, I wanted to do, to give four hundred and fifty outdoors a go. Um, I think it was it was definitely. I thought Mitch would start basically like a 450 program, even for mm-hmm. Supercross too. Yep. Um, but I I wasn't really a fan of, like I said, going 450 Supercross. I would, I love going 450 outdoors. You know, I really mm-hmm. wanted to make that step and ride the 450 in motocross. Um, but, yeah, you know, yeah, the yeah, and 450 is a Supercross. That's mm-hmm. what the, the manufacturers pay for. Is mm-hmm. You know, outdoors is only 12 rounds. The spectators are not, not nowhere near what Supercross brings in. So, you know, the majority of the, of you know, bike sales comes from Supercross in the yeah. 450 class. Sure. sure. Um, but, no, I mean, Mitch, Mitch was cool with it. He, obviously, I think it was also Dino that year. Yep. He was also racing 450s outdoors. So, it was, you know, it was, it was cool to, you know, to be racing outdoors, you know, with Mitch. And, yep. you know, I managed to get on the podium at high half point, yep. which was really awesome. And, you know, Stood next to RV and Dunge, you know, it's like two big names in the sport. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was cool. It's, you know, like I said, racing hours different, especially when you step up to the 450 class. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a, it's a whole nother ball game there, Yep. but it was, you know, I was, I was pumped to, you know, to to do that whole 450 program with Mitch and he he got it done pretty easy.
3: Yeah. Dude, we always thought Mitch would have a 450 program at some, Tickle did Supercross for him one year or two also. And, um, we always thought, like, we're like, w- when's this Pro Circuit 450 program coming? You know, like, it always seemed like it was going to happen, and never yeah. did.
2: Um, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, you kind of, like, you left Tickle, and then, you know, me and Dean, and then there'd be no 450 program. And, <laughs> yes,
3: you know, yeah. Um, did you ever, how'd you and Mitch get along? Did, I, I imagine uh, you and him were great. Um, you know, you worked hard at your job, took it professionally, treated everybody well. Um but you know, we all know Mitch and everything else. Everything else. Did you guys get along all, you know, wonderfully all the time, or how, how'd that go?
2: Yeah, no, we all got along good. I mean, you know, Mitch. I Always had a good relationship with Mitch. I always, you know, put the work in, and you know, always try to, you know, give my best at every race. And obviously, mm-hmm. know, in the last guys' trial, you know, try go for the win every round, or at least be on the podium at worst. Yep. Um, you know, it was. I never really ran into any issues with Mitch. Yeah, He's, I think he knew know, that, that you me. were. Was yeah, you working were working hard. Right, you know, right. I wasn't messing around. You know, <laughs> I had a wife. You yeah. know. By the end of the second year, I had a kid, so right. you know, I wasn't. You know, I wasn't a party boy or no, you know, no. parties or anything like that. So, you know, it was. I had, like I said, I had a great time. now racing for Mitch for five years. Yeah, and did you, you ever know, come I, close to leaving?
3: Did you ever get an offer from somebody to? to... That you thought about leaving?
2: Uh, no, not not really in no. the two fifty close because dude, Mitch's bikes was so good. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there was that time span where okay, all the other bikes now have definitely got better, and they everyone, have, yeah. everyone's so close at the moment, but you know, back then, dude, I I didn't want to go to any other team right. because I, I I wanted to be on a team that that's got the winning the winning product, and huh. and that's what Mitch had. Right. You know, so why would I want to leave that and, and go somewhere else, even if it was for more money then but then my results are not going to be as good. Sure.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: You know? So I was more focused on trying to win and I wanted to win races and you know, honestly in the lights class that's where you make your money, is by winning is by winning races and being on the podium. Yep. It's not by it's not by your salary, you know, mm-hmm. what you make in the lightscars. It's it's by and that's what I've told my guys too. You know, you make your your big money by winning races and being on the podium week in and week out. That's what that's what you need to push for. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah, four fifty. Those those are the guys that that's where you make your money. Yeah. But the two fifty guys, they make their money in in getting on podium well, and winning right. races, and right. you know, trying to win championships. And then once you win a championship, yes, then you're going to get that big four fifty contract. Yeah, no,
3: you're right about that Um, Hey, your time with RV uh, In Kawasaki, with Kawasaki over there I heard it put a few times by Like, yeah, Rattray's gonna Make sure Ryan gets to the track on time And he knows where he's going, and he's gonna You know, like, Ryan's comfortable with him And everything else, how much of that was true That we we used to joke about, that you were You know, basically there to, to, you know to I mean, you were serious about racing yourself, but Part of your job was making sure Ryan Was going where he was going supposed to go And everything (laughs)
2: Yeah, make sure he doesn't land up like in Croatia or something. Right, right, right. No, I mean, we had a plan when we got there. We obviously went down to Italy for, I think it was almost a month. Mm -hmm. We went down to that little island, Sardinia, and we rode down there uh, for about a month. And then I actually drove up from there. We went on where to catch this boat and... Actually, our uh, team Terry he organised this little boat from like this little French island, mm-hmm. uh, just across to Sardinia, and it wasn't I think it was maybe like an hour boat ride or maybe a two-hour boat ride. It was not much at all. Mm-hmm. But then the boat was closed because there was a storm and like the swells were like 15 <laughs> to 20 feet, so we couldn't take this little boat because we'd be blown yeah. into the ocean. So we had to go take this big ferry, and bro, it was gnarly. <laughs> Um, my wife got sick My daughter got sick Kristen got sick Tennis threw up And me and Harvey Were the only ones That didn't throw up Jeez <laughs> oh, it, hey, it, hey, it was It was scary man This thing was This boat was going crazy <laughs> Like uh, The waves were like Breaking over the boat yeah, like, yeah It was It was pretty nice But eventually we got to the island And then we got some We got some good riding in down there And then obviously the first couple rounds Are flyaway ones Yeah So it's you know, Europe. You have to leave, especially the first round. You have to leave quite early because you've got, you know, photos. They've got the new MXGP game that you have to be there for, so they can get shots of you and your gear mm-hmm. and bike. And so there's a lot of media stuff, you know, for for two days before the race. Yeah. And obviously, you got the qualification on on Saturday and the race on Sunday. But you know, we had to, we'd have to leave on Wednesday. So he. This so was way, all
3: new you know, to him. Like, was he complaining all the time, or was
2: he taking this okay? Uh, no. I think he was taking it okay because it was his, it was his first time doing it. You know, he didn't mm-hmm. know what to expect or yeah. what the countries looked like that we went to, and you know, it was it was all new for him. And you know, I think that's what kind of gave him that motivation to mm-hmm. to basically do one more year. It was you know I was going over to Europe and mm-hmm. experience like getting an experiment of of all these different countries and cultures, and you yeah. know, racing on these different tracks and you know, different fans and you know, it's uh, it's, but it's hard though to do, like, you know, and I said to Alden too, it's it's hard to do, like, a program that you would do here over there because over there, dude, you need to get up in the morning sometimes, and <laughs> if the rain's coming down, we were driving four or five hours in the car to go to a track to go and ride for the yeah day, and then, yeah basically take a hotel in this little town that's got no gym equipment, but no nothing. It
3: closes at 6 o'clock. You know, can, everything's closed at 6 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, everything's
2: closed from, from 4 to 8 for Siesta. I <laughs> mean, you can only get in there at 9 o'clock. So it's yep. like, you know, it's it's way different over there co- compared to here in the U.S. In the U.S., it's easy. You know, you've got, here in this area, we've got five, six tracks we can go and ride within, you know, an hour. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's easy. We're there. You know, you've got to, to take weather into consideration, you know. All different tracks. What track are we racing this weekend? Where do we need to drive to? Like, you know. And the main thing is the weather, because in Belgium the weather rains a lot. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the tracks, some of them are closed, and Rommel sometimes the only one that's open. But dude, it's just <laughs> huge ruts, and yeah. you know, it's it's just so difficult, it's, it's, right? You have to you, know, you have to you have to move around in Europe, and I think. The way we did it when we were there was the best. we went down to Italy, we rented a house. Like we rented this one big house, and we mm-hmm. all stayed in this house. And we stayed down there for a month, and we rode down there. That was the kind of the best way we could get. I mean, there wasn't really a gym. They had this little gym, but I mean, like, dude, it was the size of my toilet. You know, <laughs> it was so small. But it was definitely a, you know, definitely a great experience for him to go over and. You know, check it out and see yeah. what Europe is all
3: about. Right, right. It's just so different. That's what I tell people. I go over there all the time, right? I'm just like, it's
2: different, man. It's difficult. It's harder. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's just, yeah. But The language barrier. Like, you go, we, we would go to a restaurant, like, in Spain... And, dude, no English menu. Now you need to explain to a waiter yeah. or waitress what you want to eat, but they don't speak English. Yeah. Uh, my Spanish, <laughs> last time I checked my Spanish, it wasn't very good.
3: Right, right. You know, so, and RV's just like, sitting there like, going, like, oh, saying, God. Like, RV's like, this isn't yeah, in like, more."
2: <laughs> yeah, he's like, dude, what, what's going to roll out of this kitchen now for us to eat? Dude? Like, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. And then we're trying to make, like, you know, animal sounds like buck, 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 like we want chicken, <laughs> but, dude. It's, if they were filming it, would, it uh, would be a I a, bet. Good, a good story. Um, but it's like yeah, like you said, it's just different. Yeah, it? you know, it's just way different to hear.
3: Yeah. Um, hey, you wrote for uh, and Ice Swan Husky, right? One year. Yes. What? Yeah, that was fourteen. Yeah. So. What's Raikkonen like? Was did you talk to him much? Was he around much? I, I've I've been to a few GPS and they're like, yeah, he doesn't come out very. If he is here, he has a hat on and ducks in and out of the truck. And I'm like, wow, this guy's like one of the m- most famous F1 drivers ever, and he seems to not want anybody to know that he owns this team. Uh, what was he like? Yeah, yeah,
2: he was. I mean, I think I only saw him maybe three or four times wow. like, the whole time I was okay. there. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he's he's also busy. I mean, he's a first of all he's a Formula One star. He's, yeah, he's driving for Ferrari, so they've, he's got his his busy schedule too of going to races, mm-hmm. racing, then going down and testing. So he's also got a pretty busy program. But he also loves to ride, so he would fly up, you know, and and come ride for the day, and then he'd be like, oh, okay, peace, I'm out, and then fly back home to Switzerland that evening. You know, from Jeez. from riding. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, he, he would he would love riding, and he he rode with us a couple times when like the team would rent the track. You yeah, know, to, to, so it would be like basically a private uh-huh. a private renter, and he would come out and ride, and you know we would yeah. we would ride or do our motos or do some testing, and he would ride too. But I think I only saw him like maybe once uh-huh. or twice at a race. Wow, nice guy um, though. Nice, like said, nice guy. Yeah, yeah he's cool. Yep. Yeah, very quiet. All right. Uh, you know, it doesn't. Doesn't say much, and you know, basically lets the you know lets the team run. He knows he knows what needs to be done there, mm-hmm. and you know knows what what we need what we need to do to you know right. to get the results. So, you know, he doesn't he doesn't really interfere that much. He's but like I said, he's also got a, yeah, a he's, very busy schedule, and with him being in Formula One, I mean that's the biggest motorsport there Mm -hmm. is in the world yeah so obviously press and you know traveling and flying and he's all over the world yeah and then still tries to get time to you know to come out and ride which is cool still in the moto yeah you know yeah he's he's really into it and really enjoys it and so it's 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 good to see you know other other sports stars also enjoy riding motocross which is cool right um
3: all right we'll let you go here soon tyler on the uh, fly racing racer x podcast but uh What's one race for you that stands out? Give me your best race ever. Is there a day that, like, you were just? I mentioned there. I'm sure there was a few days where you couldn't be beat. But is there a few, or one or two that comes to mind that you were just, just on it, man? Just you know, all time.
2: Yeah, I'd say um, my second motor at Southwick the day my daughter was born. I remember sitting there and they were like, "Oh, we got a 10 minute TV delay," and I'm like. Dude, I had a flight that evening. I said to him, Mitch, if my daughter comes, I- I'm not going to a press conference. I'm getting out of the air, and I'm putting my clothes in. I'm getting to the airport to get on the flight. Right. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. So then, dude, we were waiting in, and they were like, oh, we are a 10-minute TV delay. And I was like, oh, dang. So I said to my mechanic, who was Vince, I was like, you know what that means? I just have to pin it to go faster so we can get the race done. The <laughs> yeah. So, it was, you know, I won the second motor, like, had a pretty big lead, and, you know that was the day also my daughter was born, and then that's why I kept 28 through my through my career. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because now Mitchell's also 28 on the K and I said, "Oh, easy now. I'm the real 28." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, it's it's it was you know, like I said, I had a yeah. great time here in America. You know, I met a lot of great journalists and people, and you know, everyone was friendly and welcoming here yeah. in America, and. You know, we I live here out today and you know yeah, were
3: you always coming back in like, were you always gonna come back no matter we're what? Yeah. Where after Europe? Yeah, like come back to America were you always keeping yeah, your yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, I kept I kept my house here when I went over. Um we just we just basically locked up and went over to Europe mm-hmm. and you know, just basically stayed there and then, you know, just had the had the house here yeah. I and then I knew I was always gonna come back, yeah, I and mean, then obviously when I got approached by T L D to, you know, to obviously yeah. help the riders and be, you know, more hands on with them and, you know, get them in shape. It was it was a no brainer to come back here and obviously live here. But, you know, we never know. I never know where I'm gonna be. Yeah. You know, obviously with the whole Florida thing going down and, you know, with the yep. you know, Alden's got that two fifty side going up, so you know, we don't know exactly right. the plan is for me to maybe move to Florida in a couple of years depending, you know, sure. how everything goes with you know, with Alden and that two fifty side, but for sure for outdoors we'll be based in Florida. Just just the travel's a lot easier on the cars, especially mm-hmm. with, with that humidity and heat and yeah. you know, time change and you know, so you know I think you know, I've been in California now for seven years and you mm-hmm. know everything's been great and you know, but like I said, I've always I've always been on the move from when I was 14 years old, going yeah, over Europe. yeah, really, right? I just so for me going from the out to Florida, is not going to be much change, you know. No, no, that's so, a good point,
3: yeah. Um, well, ho- cool, man. Yeah, no, it's been good. Thanks for doing this, I appreciate it. Thanks for catching up. Uh, uh, looks like you're going to have some success on the east side with uh, your guys at TLD. Uh, uh Amart uh, yeah. loves the bike, I guess. I talked to him, he says he's very,
2: very happy with everything, so um. Yeah, no, everything's yeah, everything's been going good. Looking forward to, you know, seeing the East Guys, you know, get to work. They've obviously had a really long off season, you know, they've obviously been going for a while now and mm-hmm. they I think all of them are all ready to go racing. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's going to be good once we go back east and, you know, get the East Coast boys out there.
3: For sure. Well, hey, cool. Thanks for the time, Tyler. I appreciate it. Always a, always a nice guy to deal with at the races. Always uh, very professional. I thank you for all those inter- interviews and everything else. And uh, it's nice to see you cool. still at the races. So thanks, man. Yeah.
2: Okay, cool. Thanks. thanks. Bye. We'll talk to you soon. See you. Okay, yeah, see ya.
3: There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory.